evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord indeed. Uh, the person responsible for defacing the pulpit <laughs> is actually the preacher of the evening, Dr. J. Ott. Um, it's not defacing, but it is a little more colorful than normal. Thank you for doing that. I'm looking forward to his ministry of the word this evening, aren't you? Amen. Okay, good. Stand, I want us to sing. I forgot what we were singing. <laughs> it's been a long day and it's only, or week and it's only Wednesday. Father, you have blessed us greatly with your written truth and with the living truth of your Holy Spirit. And we would pray that tonight as we gather before your throne that you would give to us your, the spirit of your living truth so that he may open to us the wisdom of your written truth. And that he may grace us with the power, the desire, the ability to live it out in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Aren't you just glad for the ministry of uh, Dr. Like? He does a great job. He does a great job of uh, taking whatever we happen to give to him and just creating the, the, the best opening and preparation of the Spirit for the message. Thank you. I want to read two passages of Scripture to you. The first is Exodus 13, verses 20 through 22. After leaving Sakoth, they encamped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Acts 16, verses 6 through 10, record this event from the life of Paul. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tr tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Our spiritual focus for this year as... Chaplain Like has reminded us, comes from the life of Joshua and his challenge to us. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For Joshua to serve the Lord in this way, 
it was necessary for him to walk in the footsteps of God. But for him to walk in the footsteps of God, it was first of all necessary for him to know with certainty where God was going. Now, in my opinion, this is precisely the point where Joshua got a bum deal. You see, it was easy for Moses. He had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now, how do you lose God under those circumstances? What was Moses going to say? Sorry, God, I didn't see your turn signal. But it's our understanding that by the time the Israelites came to the promised land and when they crossed over the Jordan, the pillars of cloud and fire were gone. They were no longer there as the road signs for Joshua to know where God was leading. As a matter of fact, if we read the book of Joshua, we will note that apart from Jericho and Ai, the very first two destinations for Joshua and the children of Israel, Joshua almost never receives any specific audible direction from God except for to say, go and fight. Now, if I were Joshua, I think I'd be a little bit miffed at God. I might have even said something like, what gives God? Moses gets pillars and I don't even get a map. You see, I'm a bit dense at times and, and when I'm going on a trip in life, I just need specific directions. Now my mom, when she's going somewhere, she can use directions like, well, you go down this road for a little bit and you come to a crossroads where the old group blueberry orchard was and you turn left. Now, it doesn't matter one bit to her that 10 years ago, the DeGroote Orchard was replaced with a 200 uh, home uh, subdivision. And the only blueberries within 10 miles are at the Safeway. <laughs> She's fine with that. But me, before I take a trip, I go on the Yahoo Highway. I click on maps and I want those instructions that say start here. Go 12.53972 miles to mile marker 12.4. You'll come to the crossroads of this street and this street and turn left when the light is green. <laughs> That's just the way I am. When my heart cries out, 
Which way, God? I want the pillars of cloud and fire. I want the Macedonian vision. I want someone calling out to me. Stop. You turn. Yield. Go this way. How about you? As you are traveling through this life, trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, do you find yourself looking for the pillars of God's presence? When you are faced with life-changing decisions, do you seek desperately for that Macedonian vision? When you cry out, which way, God? What kind of answers are you looking for? In spite of what I may desire or what I may be more comfortable with, I need to confess to you that the experience of my life with God's direction has been more on the level of Joshua than on the level of Moses and Paul. There have been very precious few pillars and visions in my life. So what does this mean? When we find ourselves walking in the shoes of Joshua instead of Moses and Paul. Does it mean that, that we are just left to stumble about in this world with uncertainty, with lack of clarity, without, uh, without a, a confidence that we are walking in the footsteps of God? Do we just need to stumble about somehow in the dark and hope that, that in the midst of it all, we end up following God? Is that all we're left with? In those moments when there are no pillars when there are no Macedonian visions? Or in those times, is it still possible for God to give us clear, distinct, unmistakable direction? Apart from the pillars, apart from the Macedonian visions. I believe the answer of Joshua would be yes. And I have found it to be true in my own life. I'd like to share with you some of the means that I have discovered through my own stumbling about that God uses to guide us and direct us. Some means that I think are, are reinforced and testified to in the life of Joshua. First of all, I want to give you a warning regarding the popular practice of seeking for open doors. I have found that this practice is typically founded upon some faulty assumptions. One of these assumptions is that God is the only one who can open doors.
when in truth Satan is a master of ensuring that for every door God opens, there are two or three or four other options of doors that we can choose. Joshua came to find this out the hard way. You may remember the, the story of the Gibeonites. Joshua and the Israelites had only been in the promised land for a short time when these Gibeonites disguised themselves as foreigners and came to Joshua to, in order to establish a treaty with him. And Joshua and the, the, the leaders of the tribes of Israel seeing the open door, proceeded through and entered into this treaty only to find out that they had been deceived. This was a doorway of Satan. And as a result of that, these Gibeonites became a spiritual and moral stumbling block to the Israelites all the rest of their lives. God is not the only one who can open doors for us. We must understand that. This then is our first biblical principle. When we cry out, which way, God? Do not assume that every open door that presents itself to us was placed there by God. Another faulty assumption with this open door practice is that we can always tell which door is the one God is opening by how trouble-free it is to walk through. I'm sure that you have heard someone use this assumption when they have stated, I know this is God's will because everything just fell into place. Well, in reality, the door of God's will for us is often the most difficult one to walk through. As a matter of fact, the doors God chooses for us may at first appear to be closed and we may need to kick and pound and huff and puff and knock them down in order to walk through them. In Exodus, when God was giving Moses and Joshua the promise that he would drive out the nations before them, he made sure that they understood that he would not do this quickly or without any effort on their part. Why? Because to do so would have left the people unprepared to inhabit and to manage the land properly. In the New Testament, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. Now listen to this. He finishes and says, And there are many who oppose me. What is he saying? He's not saying... I see this great door of ministry open to me in Ephesus because there's no opposition whatsoever. Paul is saying, there is this great open door. And 
And I know because the opposition is great. In Hebrews 11:13, we read of the great saints in the faith, among whom Joshua is included. And it says this, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. And if we read their stories, we will understand that there were no easy doors here. But if they had moved on the assumption that the, the doorway of God is always the path of least resistance, how many of the great stories of God's accomplishments would have been erased from our Bible? And how much poorer would our faith have been? I believe that Joshua would encourage us to conclude that when we cry out, which way, God? We cannot assume that the door of least resistance or that any door that presents itself to us is the answer of God to our prayer. Well, if this is true, then do we need to conclude that apart from pillars of fire and Macedonian visions that there is no way to discern God's will for our lives. Thankfully I don't believe this is true. God does not want his children to stumble through life in confusion or to make significant decisions based on or resulting in confusion and error. He states in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, which means knowledge of my will in any particular situation, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. It is therefore God's promise that even apart from pillars and visions, He has provided the means for us to know His will in relationship to the decisions of our lives. I would like to share three means of knowing, knowing God's will that I have found to be effective in my own life and that I see echoed in the life of Joshua. First, God gives us wisdom of his will through universal biblical guidelines. For example, when I have young people that would come to me and talk about another individual whom they liked and, and they were considering dating, the first question that I would ask them are you sure that this individual is a genuine Christian? They would usually respond, well, what does that matter? And I would say, simple. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, God commands us that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
And to that, they would usually respond, well, I believe that God wants me to lead this person to be a Christian. And if I date them, they'll start coming to church and they'll become saved. And I respond, that's not dating, that's evangelism. <laughs> you see, God has placed within His Word insight into the laws of His world that He has created. And this world functions, must function according to those laws. And if we want to know His will, we must understand those laws because God will never direct us in any specific situation in a way that will contradict those general laws and guidelines. There are some situations in which God simply does not need to act in miraculous ways to make his will known because he has already given us the direction that we need in his word. It is in his word that he expects us to study the map and know it well enough that when we come to a fork in the road, we already know which way he's leading. Because we know those general principles, laws, and guidelines. Joshua gives us an example of this. In verse 15 of chapter 11, we are told, As the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Why did Joshua not need the pillars of cloud and fire as he was subduing the land, the promised land? Because God had spent 40 years in the wilderness in advanced studies of the commands of God. So that by the time he crossed the Jordan, he already had memorized the map. He knew what God's battle plan was. And he didn't need God barking out commands like some general. Why? Because he knew the mind and the heart of the general. And he could just follow what God had already taught him through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. When we study God's written word and hide it in our hearts and minds, it is amazing how when we face circumstances and decisions, the living word brings to us an awareness of the biblical principles that will help us to keep our way pure. However, we must acknowledge that the Bible does not speak directly to every specific circumstance or decision that will arise in our lives. Someday, each of you is going to face a decision about where you are going to go after NBC and where you're going to minister. 
There are very few places in Scripture where you and I can put our finger and we can say, I know that God wants me to minister here because it tells me in this verse. In those times, God often uses specific personal principles to guide and direct us. The second way. These principles are related to God's specific plan and purpose for our lives individually. These principles are reflected in our personalities, our talents, our gifts, our convictions, our desires, our passions, our life histories and experiences. For instance, God has given me gifts and passions for teaching and disciple making. When I was three years old, every morning I would cry because my mom wouldn't let me go to school with my sisters. It's a part of who God created me to be. I look at the world through the eyes of a teacher. I preach like a teacher. These are my convictions. These are my passions. These are my gifts and my abilities. And I know from experience that when I enter into a ministry situation, if I can't exercise those gifts and abilities, then I become dissatisfied. I'm uneasy. It doesn't fit me. I know that, that God would never lead me to a church or a ministry situation where those ministries were not honored and exercised in a deep way. Because it's not a part of who, I, who he created me to be. In addition, I have a strong conviction that the local church is the foundation of God's work in this world. That means that denominations are created to support the local church, not the local church to support denominations. That means that local churches do not exist to keep NBC alive. It means that NBC will only exist, God will only sustain NBC as long as it makes a significant contribution to the fulfillment of God's work within local congregations. That is a personal conviction that God has laid on my heart. As a result, not only am I a faculty member at, here at NBC, but I teach a Sunday school class down at Springs First Church of the Nazarene. Did I need to pray and fast for God to lead me to that decision? No. It was a natural choice for me because I just knew that that was something that I needed to do as a part of God's convictions that he's laid upon my heart. 
That's how these personal spiritual principles work. In the same way God had been working in Joshua's life, preparing him for the task of subduing the land of his people's inheritance. While he was 40 years in that wilderness, he was selected as, as Moses' personal aide. He was the only other person that God allowed to climb Mount Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments. He was the one who stood beside the tent of meeting interceding for Moses while he was out there judging the people. He was one of the twelve spies that was sent into the promised land. What was God doing? God was preparing him. God was shaping his personality. God was developing the talents and the gifts and the abilities and the convictions that Joshua would need to, to fulfill the, the plan and purpose of God for his life. Through these preparations, God had developed a clear vision of his will in Joshua's heart and mind so that he was able to be guided by this vision in the daily decisions of his life. When we become students of God's work in our own lives, we too will develop a deep sense of his plan and purpose for us that will serve as a trustworthy vision to guide and direct our life decisions with clarity and confidence. So when we cry out, which way God? We have both universal biblical guidelines and specific personal principles that God uses to answer that question. However, these two alone will not be sufficient to help us discern God's will in all instances. Why? Because there's not a one of us that has perfect knowledge of God's Word. There's not a one of us that can discern fully the works of God even in our own lives, let alone the whole world. That's why God has determined that there is one more method for revealing his wisdom to us and that method is the body of Christ in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 Paul tells us that to keep us from the sin of pride he has determined that his wisdom gifts and graces should be distributed through all the members of Christ's body Therefore, we, each of us, is dependent upon one another. If we want to have the wisdom of God for the decisions and the choices of our lives, we must find other mature believers to go to for insight into God's will. This does not mean that we are to find persons or to seek for persons who have some mystical heavenly insight or who possess a superhuman ability to hear the audible voice of God. What it means is that we need to look for other believers who have the disciplined ability 
to understand the Word of God and the practiced gift to be able to apply that to the particular circumstances of life. Joshua had a number of such people in his life. According to his record, he maintained his friendship with Caleb all his days. He also leaned on the counsel of Eleazar the priest. And in addition, he sought out the discernment of the leaders of all the tribes of Israel. These were all persons who had proven not only to have the wisdom of God's word, but they had also proven to have a total commitment to live in complete obedience to that wisdom. And that is what God wants us to do likewise. I am convinced that one of the reasons Joshua could stand before the entire assembly of the people of Israel and proclaim without any uncertainty or hesitation, as for me and my house, we will follow God, was because he had this undying conviction that at any time, with certainty, he could determine God's will for his life in that circumstance. Even without the presence of pillars of fire and Macedonian visions. When he cried out, which way God? He knew that God would provide an answer through universal principles of his word, through specific personal principles from God's own work in his life, and through the wise counsel of the body of believers. Having said that, I need to be honest with you. This has not always been true in my own life. I have had to discover these three means of God's direction in hard ways. Too many times I have stumbled over the road signs that God has placed in my path because I was too busy looking for burning bushes. I don't want you to take from this message that God no longer uses pillars of fire and Macedonian visions to guide and direct his children. I just want to encourage you not to make the same mistakes that I've made. For too long I spent all of my energies seeking for signs and wonders and I had no time to develop the abilities to discern God's word, will through his word through his work in my life and through mature believers. All of us here tonight are going to face many decisions throughout our lives. We will come to many crossroads where we will cry out, which way God? Some of these decisions will represent major turning points in our lives for which we must have clear and certain direction from God if we are to remain in His will. 
many of you are facing critical decisions even now. In these next few months, you'll be making cho choices that have the potential to be life-changing. None of us wants to make these choices with uncertainty, hesitation, or confusion. Neither does God desire that kind of life for any of us. My sincere prayer for you is that there will be moments of fiery pillars and Macedonian visions. However, my greater prayer for you is that you will not stumble about in darkness when there are no pillars, when there are no visions, but that you will develop the spiritual disciplines of wisdom and insight to see read and apply the road signs that God has already placed in your path. If you are facing one of these momentous crossroads in your life right now, if your heart is crying out, which way, God? Would you give us the great privilege of serving as the body of Christ for you tonight. As we sing this closing song, would you come, allow us to minister to you as together we seek the wisdom of God for the circumstance of your life? this crossroad in your life God can make it possible for you to stand with Joshua and to proclaim as for me in my house we will serve the Lord given you the privilege to be a friend to one of these who's gathered here. Would you come? Would you be the body of Christ for them tonight and pray with them as they seek the Lord's will? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have been faithful to the promises of your word, that your spirit has been here, that your truth has been opened and it has been laid before us, that our hearts have been laid bare before you and that you have touched us. Lord, take of your truth. May it go with us. May it be hidden in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, that we may always walk with confidence, with clarity before you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.